Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. This episode of the Making Laps podcast uh, is brought to you by beer, because even though it doesn't make your problems go away, it sure helps not to really care about them either. Beer, father, mother, sacred lover. Yes. So, anyway, hello and welcome to this edition of the Making Laps podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me is my brother and co-host, Jesse Gleason. And missing again this week is Phil Jakes. We are not even going to do his bit because he's not here. We're actually going to save it for we're going to save it for a special occasion, which might be coming next week. But we will see if that pans out properly. Anyway, uh, to start off, we're, I think we're going to have to talk about why we're exhausted and drinking beer, which is no different than usual. But we spent the last two weekends racing. And we spent them in different states for once. We usually never get out of state to go racing. I know. And uh, we went up to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Hello, and darling. Yes, indeed. Nice to see you. That was wonderful. It it's was lovely. It, it was a long time for Jesse. He hasn't been in a car for a while. Yeah. It was wonderful. <laughs> I, lo- I missed my darling. How's your new oh, we put in... We put in so much work on this thing. I mean, yeah, we we yeah we worked a ton of hours on this thing. Really, I really wish y'all really, could have seen really. the state of his garage. Oh. We cleaned it today. It took me three passes with the dustpan and broom after sweeping it all up to get it out. And oh, it's still covered in garbage anyway. It's, oh man, we destroyed. Like you know when you're working really hard and you don't have time to clean. Like, you know you're working hard if you can't clean. You're just throwing stuff and st- things are just landing in other weird, random places. Well, that was us for the last few weeks, months, however long the hell we've been working on these cars. And, man, it was just a absolute... You know, if I could sum up this weekend as I grab my beverage, I would yeah. say it was an utter shit show. <laughs> we are... I was going to say terrible, but I think we're actually pretty good for what we put out there. Yeah, I've never been there before. You know, while I've been to the track, but I've never been there to race it. No. You know, so has Brent. Brent's been there, you know. I mean, I went there. It's like everyone, other race fan in New England, you go to, you go to New Hampshire, that's like, that's like, uh, you know, Jews going to Israel or something, you know, yeah, or, or. Local you know, pilgrimage. Just a complete pilgrimage. I mean, we've been know? to, we personally have been it's, to Indianapolis. Uh, we made a pilgrimage yeah. there. You know, uh, you know, respectful pilgrimage of the holy ground. I'm holding you know? up my hot pass for all the YouTube oh, yeah. people. Like, I have it hung yeah. next to all my memorabilia and stuff. It says hot pass July 2019, garage and pits. And they did spell my name right. They didn't call me Brett or Brendan or Frank. I've been called that before for some weird reason. Uh, but no, we uh, we were, I wouldn't say a shit show. We were, but to quote Major Payne, if anybody grew up watching that movie, we were a shit sandwich, but we weren't a soggy one. We were we unloaded the car. I don't know what the hell happened. We unloaded on Saturday. After towing two and a half hours up there, we got into New Hampshire. We got into Concord. We didn't even get to Loudoun. We got 20 minutes away in Concord mm-hmm. to our hotel, parking lot empty. Um, 
Be- I love the place. It was comfy. Uh, I like that hotel. Um, if anybody goes to Concord for the races, go stay at the True by Hilton. No sp- no free ads, but that was a nice place. Um, but we pulled in about 10 o'clock at night, just in time to check in and basically go to bed. That was all we had time for. Next morning, we were up super early, no sleep, go to the track. We unload the car. We try to unload the car, and uh, it won't run, like, at all. It's- and it ran fine in the garage. It ran fine in the garage. Ran fine when we were loading it up. It ran fine breaking into this, you know, new cam and it broke all yeah. these other things. It ran fine. Tuning the carburetor, getting the timing set, ran fine. Get it to the racetrack, go to unload it. It's utter garbage. I mean, this thing is a hot mess. We fired up and we don't have mufflers on this car. It is literally straight pipes and and, and uh, headers. Yeah, the rule said exhaust. Yes. Make sure it leaves the car. Make sure make sure your car has exhaust, basically. Yeah. Make so, sure it goes okay. out behind the driver. All okay, right. done. So straight pipes it is. Okay. So, yeah, it was loud. So every little problem that was with that motor, you could hear it pretty clear as day. We sounded like a garbage truck that couldn't make it up a hill. Popping, crackling. It, it almost sounded like one of those old jalopies from, you know, some old Model A. Literally chitty chitty gang bang. Yeah, with the I points mean, all bang bang. You know, just don't, don't listen to me, kids. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it yeah. was it was it, it was like the Beverly Hillbillies. Pop, it was pop, 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 terrible. Pop. Uh, yeah, backfire and pop and sputter and kids were diving for cover. They thought it was gunfire. I mean, it was pretty bad. I mean, all the campers back behind us must have hated us. Uh, so we get the car out and I'm like, this thing's a bag of shit. We have to figure something out. So I. Take the old trusty temp gauge out, the old little laser temp gauge that you point at all the cylinders, the infrared gauge, and I, I'm reading it, and I'm like, well, we're running on four, five cylinders, because those are the only ones that have any yeah. temperature in them. Yeah, that absolute hot mess. What the hell happened here? You know, if you try to run that pig, it's gonna blow up. Yeah, it's just never gonna work. So we start scrambling, and by scrambling, I mean we don't have any spare parts for this we have no spare spark plugs yeah we got we got every other spare part we got drive shafts we got transmissions we got you know we got spare set of gears axles uh you know wheels brakes spindles uppers lowers trailing we have to rebuild the car except for spark plugs no spark plugs at all and of course we i have to give people a little bit of background on this car i mean this i feel bad for it because this car always feels like it's kind of an afterthought like whatever spare we got we throw at this car poor jesse you know poor his car Eh, whatever i I feel bad but this engine we found the rotating assembly and well we found the engine sitting on a stand in jesse's shop in the back on a stand it's been sitting there for at least 15 years it probably had two three races on it and for some reason, I guess we didn't like the cam and the head The head rules changed, so it had stock heads on it. So we just kind of parked it and left it for a spare. I'm pretty sure that's what Dad did because he paid for it. And then we never touched it again. And you know what happens when engines set, the rings get all gummy and they don't seat properly. And, you know, you. so I took some cylinder heads that were sitting in my garage for, I don't know, four or five years in the hot, cold. So brand new then, basically. They were brand new when Compared I got them. Compared to this car's engine. They were brand new when I got them. They had yeah. new valve springs and new, you know, new valves and stuff in them. Uh, I should have lapped the valves, but whatever. Anyway, um, so I slap a new cam in it, new lifters, different push rods, different rockers. I just found all this stuff. These heads. Um, 
I did all the math and the calculations, and I built this motor from essentially spare parts. And like I said, when something sits for a long period of time, especially an engine, she doesn't run right first out of the box. You almost have to flush the thing out. You got to wear it back in. You got to get the rings to seat again. You got to get it oiling properly. I did change the uh, oil pump out of it to a racing pump, which and put a better pan on it, which I was super happy that we could do that. But um, yeah, it just took a while for this thing to seat. Like when I originally dropped a distributor in it, I couldn't even get compression to puff air on my thumb. Now it's doing great. It sounds way better, but I ran like sea foam through it. I ran, you know, oil change after oil change through it, just trying to get the thing to go. We took a transmission from Jesse's shop and I rebuilt that and put that together. I took a, we had a GM seven and a half inch rear. We didn't have a nine inch. We had a seven and a half inch rear. I took the guts out of it. I put 373 gears in it, which was the gear rule. And I took my, I was going to call it a Lincoln locker, but it's a Chicago electric locker because my welder's from Harbor Freight. And I welded the spider gears up in it. Yep, not even spooled it. Didn't, just, I just did the old school hunka chunka. I just welded the thing to the case yeah. like I did with my old mini stock. And we threw axles back in it. And I, like I said, this is the hokiest shit we've ever had to do in our lives. So there's your background on what we're dealing with here. We just put it together to put it on the racetrack. And... We get there, and apparently it had fouled four spark plugs. And guess who didn't have plugs? We didn't. So I'm like, okay, they're fouled. We're screwed. So we went out. I took, and I made miracles out of absolute nothing. I took spark plugs out of my crate motor bin. That I have spare plugs for my crate motor that are nowhere near the same size or the same uh, type. Yeah, the heat uh, range was all different. Everything was screwed up on it. The depth. All screwed up. The depth of them. No one else had one. uh, No one else had spark plugs. I checked around Corey Hutchins and, you know, Plemons and, you know, guys up and down the road. There's no parts truck, you know? Yeah, obviously there's no parts truck. There's tire truck, which we'll get to, but no parts truck. So we go out for practice after I make literal miracles happen with the wrong spark plugs like these very wrong. this this engine has fuelie heads on it and anybody who knows fuelie heads they're like a they're a 492 casting head and what they came on was like a very early 70s like a 1970 corvette mm-hmm. and they're the they're the flat gasket type spark plugs think ar-73s um everybody's like ar-13s no ar-73s um i hate auto light plugs because i hate everything fram and uh, <laughs> because they're all garbage, we could go into detail about all the plugs that have gone wrong in Jesse's car, like the electrodes yeah. falling out of them. Um, yeah, that's anyway. That's stuff. why I switched over to NGKs. No free ads, but um, we get we we say you know what we can't do this. We get the thing running on about seven cylinders, and I'm like, okay, we got to get the car on the racetrack. That's good enough. That's as good as I'm going to get it. Got to do we, something. We also you know? changed the distributor because we figured out that number seven was firing intermittently because it was um it had a dead spot or something yeah it had a dead spot on the something reluctor weird. yeah, yeah it's, it was really strange so i said all right screw it pulled it out put my spare in timed it it ran better changed the spark plugs performed miracles with absolute garbage that i would like, okay, never is this do thing gonna in my blow life up? no okay it's not gonna blow up okay well get out there and at least so we chucked him on the racetrack out, you know, this big ass racetrack we chucked him on the you racetrack know? on like seven cylinders and it wasn't great. Um, it was better than it was before, but it was pretty bad. Actual hot mess. He made like five laps and p- 
pulled it in because it was absolute gar- garbage. And, and the racetrack was also wet too, by the way. It was. I mean, wet. they even did the little blowers and and everything with the air tightens, but it was still wet, and the seams and everything. Mm. But they had the jet dryer out, and they had all that going. Mm-hmm. It was still weeping out of the cracks a little bit because it had rained pretty hard the day before, and guys were saying, "Yeah, you could see the water come up off the treads," and it was just kind of a hot mess and. So we pull the car in, and Jesse's like, all right, what do we do? I said, we have to go get spark plugs somewhere. We have to find them. We literally went on, like, Rock Auto and on our phones to cross-reference this sh- this stuff. and um, cause, Yeah, because sometimes the, when I, I worked in auto parts, and sometimes not all – you can't cross-reference a certain brand all the time, especially, like, OE numbers or whatever. Right. But these aren't obviously OE. But sometimes it's, up, it's hard for them to cross-reference. It's better off finding the actual make and model of the vehicle – and then you can get your parts correctly. So so I literally went on Rock Auto and measured the picture. Oh, God, my cat's stepping on the board. Jesse, can you get him off of there? That would be really bad if he screwed that up and made something really loud for no good reason. <laughs> ah, oh, oh, <laughs> the claws. Oh, the, claws. the claws are real. No, no, I just wanted hugs. No, no, get off me. Don't he, kill me. He hugs, oh, with, he hugs with claws. He hugs hard. Anyway, so I'm it. I'm literally looking on pictures on Rock Auto. I'm digging through the encyclopedia in my head, and I'm like, I know these heads came off a Corvette, but I don't know what year. And I'm digging through, yeah. looking for pictures, and I'm matching pictures up on my phone with the plug. And I'm like, here's your number. Go to whatever auto parts store you can find and find yeah. these. It's this year, make model car, go. Yeah. So Jesse and, his, and our Uncle Mark take off, because that's the whole crew that we got. Yeah. They take Wrong. off in the other truck, the support truck. And, and it, they're gone. And it takes a half hour to get anywhere. It's it's New Hampshire, North New Hampshire. Yeah. It takes a half hour to get to civilization. Where the hell are you going to go? And then try to have <laughs> them figure it out and then have another half hour to get back here. So, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of rural area and you have nowhere to go. So In that time that they were gone, I, I tried getting the uh, plugs all out. And if you can see by the giant wounds on all, all over my hands, it was really not easy. It is the only car that I've ever, ever. I'm sorry. It's the only car that I've ever changed spark plugs with an actual wrench. Not a spark plug wrench, not a socket, not an actual, like, physical wrench, like, boxed end wrench. It's the only car. Like, I had a 13 16th wrench. I was using the boxed end, and I was, like, taking spark plugs out with it. It was, ridi- it was oh, the most ridiculous faff I've ever done in my life. They, we, we missed the second practice. Okay. But. They come back and they could only they got they got spark plugs. They're factory AC Delco plugs. I'm like, okay, great. These will work fine. I don't care if they're racing Success. plugs. They make sparks. Who the hell cares? And they only had eight of them. And I'm like, can you get extras? No, only eight. And I'm like, I broke like two or three spark plugs that day because I just couldn't get into there to get the spark plugs out. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to be really careful. It took me like. 15 minutes to change spark plugs with plugs already out because I was being so careful. And we get the thing. We finally wrestle everything. I had to change another plug wire because I found one cracked at the end and it was arcing. And I'm like, well, there's another problem. And we finally get all the plug wires fixed. We get the plugs back in it. We fire the thing up and it sounds great. I'm like, oh, finally, something's going right. Finally, you know, the thing sounds awesome. It's running better. We're finally getting the rings turning. We're getting hot oil through it. We're cleaning the thing out. We're finally getting this old motor running right. I'm like, get in the car. We're going practicing. Jesse gets out on the track. Soon as the street stocks hit the track, guess what happens? It rains. (laughs) We're out there for five 
stupid laps in the rain after t- spending all day fixing this stupid And there's problem. no weather technically on the radar anywhere. Nothing on the radar. No, it just pops up all around everywhere. Nothing at all. And it was just ridiculous. And like, it rained ugh. the second we went on the track. So right the, there. Boom. Dead rain. So we basically paid 25 bucks to get five laps of practice uh, and then sit in the rain and bust my knuckles all day. FML fam. And that's not even the worst part. So let's get into the worst part. Okay. Okay. Let's Sunday. Sunday is the worst part. And we show up early enough on Sunday. Okay. And I have a few gripes, but don't don't take this as me bashing anybody. I'm using this as constructive criticism for now. This part. This part's constructive criticism. Okay. <laughs> this part is communication was terrible. Okay, we didn't know the track frequency. Like, we didn't know the, the, the official's frequency. Like, spotters need to know this stuff. We had no idea. We had Not to ask right around now. to find it. They didn't post it. They didn't tell us. They didn't do anything. They said, okay, driver's meeting's at 8.15. Okay. Cool. Where? Yeah. This is a big so place. we had to ask around to find that. They're like, oh, at the end of the garage where the ACT trailer is. We're like, okay, we'll go. And we're standing in the street stock pit. They know what we're driving. Right, so we wheel the car over for tech inspection because yep. you got to go over the scales and they got to figure out what weight what weight class you're essentially in and what ride height you're running. There's all sorts of stuff. I'm not getting into it. Yep. So we get over there. We were like third in tech line. It's time for drivers meeting. Go around the side. Go to the drivers meeting. I'm like, okay, you go. You stay here, Jess. I'm gonna go to the car and move it along the line if we need to. And I see Kevin Mason. Now Kevin's an old friend. He's been racing against us for freaking years. Driver, yeah, the other Ford, the other Ford gentleman, yeah. uh, number thirty-seven, the white thirty-seven car. white T-bird. Yeah, been around forever. Awesome yeah, guy, nice guy, nice family. And they uh, they come around, and he's like, "Hey, where's the drivers' meeting at?" I'm like, "It's over there." So he walks in the garage, and I and I'm yelling, "I'm like, no, it's around the side of the building." Turns out Kevin was right. There was a separate drivers' meeting for the street stocks to pull numbers inside the garage. Which we didn't know about. Apparently, you were supposed to know about it if you rolled through tech early, but like, well, we're kind of in line. We don't know that. So I walk into that tech area, to that um, to that driver's meeting, and I walk in just in time to hear Jesse's name get called. So I walk over pretending to be him. Mm. <laughs> and they're choosing numbers. And I'm like, well, I got here just in time. I'm like, he's in the John. I'll pick for him. So, <laughs> good cover, right? Yes. Apparently. The, I, I can't. He's I can't, making poopies. I can't claim ignorance here because they didn't tell us anything. So, anyway, I pick a number. And guess what? Apparently, I'm on a hot streak because I picked number eight. And that would have put him on probably the pole or outside pole for the second heat race. Would have put me on the pen. <laughs> With five laps of practice and no not idea real what's going to No Not practice. even real practice. <laughs> no practice. On, yeah, on old tires that were that were uh, given to us by uh, Jim Boyle and uh, Steve Barrett. Thank you for... Thank you, Boyle's Home yes, Improvement. For, uh, you know, giving us tires to go race. That yeah. was killer. You know, a really nice gesture. You know, there, it was killer. It made, you know, it made the rules, you know? Now, that and meeting ends. That's the only way I could have made it. Okay, that meeting ends. Jesse's yep. like, I'm not starting up front. Screw that. I got no practice. I feel like shit. Jesse felt like shit all day. He asked me to drive at one point, and I'm like, uh, 
I feel like shit too because I had double leg cramps the night before because I ate way too much steak and beer. I have a bad heart. It and comes I have from bad lots legs. of lots of stress. Yeah. So it, we were kind yeah. of a hot mess that day. Yeah. So we finally, after that meeting, roll through tech, right? And they tech our car, and they don't see anything wrong, and they give us our class sticker, and they're like, okay, have you guys bought tires yet? We're like, what do you mean? They're like, have you bought tires yet? It says on our sheet you haven't bought tires yet. We're yeah, like, they pulled out a cell phone with a picture on the board of all the drivers who didn't buy a Ford. Yeah, this is a four-tire event. you got to buy tires. We're like, what the no. fuck do you mean we have to buy four tires? Yeah, what are you talking about? And we're like, yeah, we'll get right on it. So we basically pull the car around and like drive back to our pit. And we're like, we can't afford fucking four tires for one race right That's... now. Have you seen the budget that we're running on? We barely even got here. And so uh, in the rule book, in the rule book, it said refer to the entry form. Okay, so we look at the entry form. It says you, you have to buy tires at the track. What I take that to mean is you, you can't go to Hoosier the day of the event if you have to buy tires. Yeah, you can't go. That you I took that as saying to, you can't go to Hoosier Tire East or North or whatever and buy tires before the event. If you need tires, you can buy them there. Right. I see that as mandatory must-have tires when it says the tire rule is the Hoosier 800. Why even bother putting in that information if if – you know, you got to buy this. Why couldn't they just say, you know, you got to buy the street stock tire compound? Well, you'll figure that out when you get to the track. Why bother even putting the who's your number on there? And and they said, no, yeah, you can't, you can't race if you can't go. So I said, you know so, what? Yeah, I'm like, okay, listen, if this rule, if this isn't a rule, and why we have to do this before we race. Why is it not in the actual rule book? Why is it on the entry form? I, That's kind of stupid. I mean, why is it not in the actual rule well, book? I have I have a whole list of words that um, I came up with oh. to describe the situation. Yes, please bring that up. Okay, so anyway, here we go. It's going to be that long. Oh, Jesus! Three pages. First of all, starting off with uh, extortion. Coercion, corruption. Bear with me. This is going to be a little bit. No, go but ahead. It's, I got it's beer to drink. Yeah, drink a beer. Take a piss. Whatever. Fraud, shakedown, theft, oppression, payoff, payola. You betcha. Racketeering, the old shake, the old squeeze, steal. How about swindle or fleecing? There you go. That's an oldie but goodie. Gouging, overcharging, bamboozlement. That's a lovely word. Glad I got more beer. Scheme. Shady. Yes, I know. I heard you, YouTube land. The real Slim Shady. Understood. Profiteering. How old are you? Yes. Keep going. Duping. Double dealing. Milking. Mafia. Mafia. Illicit. Unscrupulousness. Chicanery. Gotta get the cotton balls there. Send the cotton balls. Skimming. Hocus pocus. Hijack. Stick up. Banditry. Piracy. Heist. Crooked, dishonest, larceny, pilferage, criminal, plunder, raid, mugging, vampire, vampires, usurpation, kickback, greed, ring, highway, and robbery. That was like an English class, like literature test. That's you did a lot better in school than I did, anyway. So you want to know what Matt had to say about it? What's that? He was so mad. He was like, I'd be on fire. I'd be asking for a refund of my hotel rooms. 
<laughs> now I'm sure I'm gonna play devil's advocate here for a moment because we obviously Let's try to are play just, devil's advocate. We're just racers, okay? We don't know anything about uh, promotion. Apparently, I want to know why they're forcing us to pay for a full set, just at least minimum one full set of tires for one race. And one race only because like, you can't run them anywhere else. No. They run Hoosier 790s literally everywhere up north and in Connecticut now. Parts of Connecticut. You don't run the 800s anywhere anymore. What are we going to do with these tires? And, and how much money are we going to win to even upset this kind of cost? We are not going to win anything close to what the even the no, tire bill is going to cost. In, in our final practice with our old junk tires and whatever, I wasn't going to put the new ones on till the... The new, the new ones that, um, the new takeoffs that Boyle and, and uh, Barrett gave us. You know, we were about a second and a half off the pace once I finally got the car running, which was around mid to late ladder pack. About mid pack, yeah, somewhere around there. So yeah. I mean, not terrible. Considering so, again, I'm sure for the first time. I'm sure there's some kind we of reason. Could have made it better, but no. I know that re- that promoting events at New Hampshire Motor Speedway is not terribly easy. I mean, I've heard from Bob Gupdil that he put up a whole lot of risk and a whole lot of money to put on the shows when he did it. So I don't know if they take like money off the sales of tires and they have to have sales of tires in order to get this to work. I don't know what exact. What I'm pissed off about the most, not only having to buy a set of tires as a street stock racer, but also which you can't afford as a street stock racer, which is why we race street stocks. If you're asking a division lesser than, say, a late model to buy a set of tires per race, because if you race ACT cars, that's what you do. You have to buy a set of tires every race. I know they do it to control them, but let's be honest, the the races are so long, you're probably going to go through a set anyway. But... You can't ask us to buy a set of tires for one race. It's outside of our budget. A lot of these guys weren't even going to do it, and some of them did just because they were already there. Like, I saw Plemons do it last minute. Like, he was an hour before the race, and Brandon was hauling four tires over Yeah, because he got tires somewhere else, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, I know there's many different reasons why they would have us buy four brand new tires. It could be to control soaking or control tampering or control, you know, control quality and fairness and all this other stuff. But you cannot expect a division like ours or lower trucks, mini stocks, anything like that, lesser than a late model to afford four tires for one race. And and it's not in our budget. I, I don't know too much about this whole soaking thing. Um, Sorry. I don't know. Yeah, like, discussing with the producer. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, free stuff. Oh, great. Yes, more and crap anyway. in my house. Go ahead. I, like, I don't know much about soaking tires. Just like you know, anybody else does, you know. But from research off of the internet, uh, some of those, some of the, you know, I've no, also never seen uh, tire soaking agents in any of uh, the competitors I've ever raced against in their garage floor either. Never seen that whatsoever. No, Not never. Once. Not ever. No. Um, but uh, apparently, uh, some of these effects it could take effects as of as early as the day of the race. Now, there's no impound on tires. No, ACT had impound, but we didn't. ACT has impound. But if we, we bought don't. our tires the day before, we could have left them in our trailer and just soaked the piss out of them. 
Could have brought it right to the hotel, did it right there in the parking lot. Don't Heck, matter. And if you do it externally, the only way they're going to figure it out is if they cut a patch out of it. Pouring to the to internet. Lab. Well, this is how tech happens. This is how they check in different yes. tech, especially like Seekonk or down south. They'll cut a patch out of the tire and they'll send it to a lab and they'll do it that way. But right. So, w- w- what's going to stop that from happening? Unless you, you know, unless sometimes, you impound it. Unless you're like the you're like Ron Barfield and and the great staff of the, the Barfields have down in Dillon, South Carolina. Where they Mid Atlantic street stocks. Yeah, where they take the tires and you can't leave the racetrack with those tires. You have to put them in either the shed or lock your car up overnight, and you can't touch that. You can't touch them. Yep. Car cannot leave without those tires on it. That car is not leaving the racetrack, but you so, are. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless you have them under lock and key, what's stopping people from doing it? Right. It's going to happen anyway. But again, um, I'm sure there's some. Re- what I'm mad about is that they weren't transparent with us about why we had to buy t- all they had to do was just explain it you know i don't need the books i don't need all the- give me the reason why we had to buy four tires no it's it's borderline it's borderline this is what i heard in a meeting it's 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 beyond communism at this point this is <laughs> this is very uh left and right center authoritarian this is what i heard from uh, the rules, from what I've heard, kind of like that. That guy's angry. Or very forceful with his language. Translation. Buy tires or no race. Make sure the you turn gest- that one back down. The, ge- yeah. <laughs> the Gestapo will, the tire Gestapo will they, take care of them. They literally told us, if you don't buy them, you can't race. Like, you're not allowed. The tire Gestapo can kiss my ass. I, I, so, gotta, I'm gonna, I, I know, I'm listen. Load that shit up. Listen, I know there's late model, super late model, pro late model, modified guys sitting there listening to us going, oh, that's fucking funny. You guys can't afford one set of tires. Yeah. Because that's why I race street stocks. That's why we're in these cars. Uh-huh. That's the exact. <laughs> no. We stay in our lane. Okay, we know what to expect. Uh-huh. We don't ask you to buy new engines every race, which you could probably afford. But we don't. <laughs> I mean, or refresh them because they used to do that way back in the day. They used to refresh them like every three races. But we don't ask you to do unreasonable things. Don't ask us. You know that's unreasonable to us. I I want it, you know, I really wish I did a little bit more prep. I wish I was more fair. I was going to send a message to Marshall Hurley and to Bobby Guptil and ask them if they required their teams to buy tires for this race alone. But I doubt that that's the case. Um anyway, I I think I'm all done ranting on this one. Uh so yeah, we didn't race. So Let's we screw, just we go drink beer. We went out for for morning practice. Yeah. We got like twelve laps of practice, and it was glorious. I was smiling. I, I was ear sending to ear. her in there, baby, and pitching her sideways. We, you know what? In, and it ran at full song. The thing went a hundred, you know, about a hundred thirty, almost a hundred thirty. We, I did the, I did the quick math, and obviously we weren't the fastest car out there. We'd shaved no. a lot of time off. We were like a second to a second and a half off, but on that big of a track, that's not a lot. Especially for the practice. I mean, look at the know? level of competition we were up against. Yeah. We had hokey old shit. 
that looks like it came out of a dumpster. No offense, but we built it. So in, up against guys who have essentially pro stocks. You know what I mean? Like, look at Jimmy Renfrew's car. Give me a break. Congratulations um, on winning the pro stock feature, Jimmy Renfrew. I wanted to see. I was going to ask you, how, uh, what was his... You should, we should do that during the show. What was his lap time in his pre-street stock compared to what the lap time was in his late model? Oh, I didn't even look that up. You should look that up. Totally. I really should, but I got my phone being my camera, so I can't look it up on Race Monitor, uh, or else my camera will die. And I don't want to do that to the audience because they need to see my face. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I did his. Fine. I, I did really the. Good. I did the average speed calculation, and Jesse was averaging one hundred seven point eight or something like that around New Hampshire. That was average. So that thing was cooking down the straightaway. That was pretty fun. I mean, I was smiling ear to ear watching him go around, and I'm like, I'm like, he's not coming in. I bet he's having a fucking blast. So, um, so yeah, we just kind of we stuck our flag in the sand. We figured out our marker or where we would be, and uh, we went and watched the races. We loaded the car up. Tech official walked over while we were in our pit, and they're like, "You guys going out?" We're like, "Nope." They're like, "Why?" We're like, "We uh, can't afford to buy tires. We have new tires, but you won't let us race." And they're like, "Oh, okay." So, yeah, I don't think it was their fault necessarily because they weren't running the show. They were just teching, but they were like, oh, okay. It's like, well, you don't want us to race. We're not racing. We actually ended out better because we didn't buy tires. We didn't sink $600 into tires to win like 100 bucks. You know what I mean? We came out, we came out ahead by not even racing, which is really sad. Or as a, as far ahead as we possibly could in that situation. What do you want? They're, they're, they didn't have that many cars anyway. It was it was about twenty cars for. That's not bad though. Which, it, it's not bad, That's but I mean, good. for a big giant race on hollow ground, you should have had more. We have a lot to discuss. We should get into this. Uh, so, um, the re- I feel a roll coming. The results of this event were the Northeast Mini Stock Tour race was pretty entertaining. Emerson Kyer won. Uh, he screwed up the last restart, fell back to fourth, and just blew his way back up to the front. He was throwing that car in so hard. I mean, I didn't think that thing was even going to stick, but, man, he drove his ass off to get back to the front. So kudos to him. I mean, that was a pretty killer run. The truck race had a great story until today. Jason Ferrara won yesterday. First across the line, yeah. First across the line. First victory ever. Uh, yeah, first victory in the truck series. It was essentially his first win in 13 years. 13 years he hadn't won a race. Mm-hmm. He had won in a street stock up north or somewhere, and he was beside himself to win that. And uh, today uh, it got taken away from him. Now, we will discuss this. Um, they take the Exit Realty Truck Series and Marshall Hurley. Obviously, the truck series has kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. It's gone. It's been a good. It's been bad. But to be honest, lately it's been on the upswing. They've got twenty trucks coming, and they travel. And I mean, it used to be the day where they had like five to eight trucks coming. It's like that. Those were sad days. But now they've changed the rules around. They played with it. They got more people to come, so they're doing something right. But this is one thing that I really think that they could take a little constructive criticism on. What they do with the winner's truck. Now, they take it and they put it in the, the Exit Realty trailer. They don't even get to take it home. They The officials take the truck, and they go to the only approved engine dyno shop or whatever. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that is... Uh, I need the right rule book up. I want to be correct here. Okay? Um, this is interesting. You've got different engine setups and stuff that they allow... Like, option one, they allow a 302 Ford, 305 Chevy, 318 Dodge, 
and they give you a horsepower number that you have to meet. Now, every and then you can run like a sealed 602 crate, and then you can run a 603 Chevy crate or an unsealed 602, and you got to do certain things to it. And the option four is like a riverhead option. It's like pre-dyno facility, this, that, and the other thing. You have to produce a, a dyno sheet and stuff. I think it's mostly Seekonk type rules, but they the the horse they have a rear wheel horsepower rule okay maximum 285 horsepower at the rear wheels with no allowance zero it must be approved at a it must be measured at an approved dyno jet facility which is rad auto machine ludlow massachusetts okay that's the only one listed as the uh, approved chassis dyno facility now apparently jason's motor ran 17 horsepower too high um my issue with having rear wheel horsepower as your number as as your baseline as your end all be all rule is not good anybody who's been around a dyno or a dyno cell knows that any any variation tire pressure tire size um humidity uh, temperature, density, altitude, all those above. Okay. Timing, timing, fuel mixture, anything. I mean, it says, look, all competitors must reveal timing setting pre-event. Oh, that's right. in their rule book right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That doesn't really matter to me. You can get a number at 60 degrees out, zero humidity, density, altitude of like, I don't know zero like sea level and again if you have zero stagger and i hope they run the same tires on every truck which would be very strange what if the air pressure is wrong what if it's not the same thing what you can get like between 10 and 20 different numbers if it's 95 degrees out and humid as hell and the density altitude is like the rocky mountains or if it's cold as all balls yeah 40 to 35 degrees out. And they'll tell you, oh, we got calculations for environmental differences and we can do... No. No. Okay. Also, these I things... I do not agree. These things are built by... Uh, in Mexico by, by cheap, unskilled labor. I think and they're pretty skilled. Mostly, but that's the machines, mostly. And uh, their tolerances are either... Or, or, or give and take on these things. There's a there's a tolerance build when you build engines. You, you, that you, sometimes your tolerance like it, you, gaps are too tight on on the bearings and, and everything else and, and every yeah. But if and, you don't have the right tolerances, it'll blow up. Right. So well, I mean, sometimes right. a loose tolerance motor can be a powerful motor. You know, so like if they don't bit. file the rings down the same. Yeah. So some motor, not all motors, crate engines are created equal and we'll do that for another podcast way in the back so what if he just got a real good piece yeah it's bottle cap sealed what why it, do you why do you run that if you're not gonna if you're gonna have a crate engine bottle cap seal how are you gonna how are you gonna say that one's illegal if I you're mean, gonna fall back on that here's the thing you can he's no? asked, essentially what they're asking their competitors to do is say okay you have to take your truck to Donnie Wood at a Rad Auto Machine and take it on the dyno. Um, make sure it's at optimum conditions because if not, um, you're probably going to have your numbers wrong sometime. 
Um, but you have to basically say, okay, well, here's your ignition timing that you have to set. Here's the jet that you need. So basically what you're doing is you're setting your engine up to run at not, not the most optimal conditions, I think I'm trying to say, so that it won't, you know, go over the limit. And that's not great for an engine. You ever drive an engine that's not tuned up properly? It's not healthy for the engine. You know, it's not. You're you're hurting parts. And they're only going to one guy too, by the way, for these engines. Yeah. And so and he didn't get his engine from this guy. He got it from General Motors. Yeah. Who's to say I, I don't trust anybody as far as they throw him. Oh, well, this ain't my motor. Or, or if it was my in, if it was a, a, a rad engine, oh well. Here, let me just, you know, let me just tweak that a little bit. Hold on, the settings aren't quite right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this passes. And who's to say who's... Are you serious? Here's the thing. Here's... This, won't fit, this won't work, so so take my engine. You're going to have to buy one from me. I got to ask you a question. I don't have anything against... We don't we don't have anything against Don Wood on his own. He's actually a really nice guy. Um, no, but I just but don't we're trust not, anybody. We're not saying that. We, we just don't trust anyone. Okay, that's just a blanket coverage. We just don't trust anybody. Um... Here's the thing. Have you ever tried to read the timing on someone's engine after somebody else has read it? You could be off by a degree or two if you're looking at it at a different angle. You ever you ever try that? It's like, yeah, you're at about uh, 36, and somebody else looks, and it's like, no, it says 38. What if you're off by that? What if somebody else is test, you know, tweaking your shit like that? Like, nope, it says this, but it's not. You know what I mean? What if one of the, one of the skilled laborers down south... Uh, puts the timing marker wrong. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, um, in shipping, they put these little, they put these stamped sheet metal timing pointers on your crate motor, and more often than not, they're off by a degree or two because something bumps into it. Which is why I took mine off and put an actual pointer on and measured top dead center with a piston stop on mine. So mine so is correct. as accurate as possible. But again, what if it's off? What if they're measuring it differently? I don't like these variables. I understand using these rules will get you more people in and just say, well, look, this is the number, and if you go over it, then you're done. I understand that, but when you have all these variables involved in that finality of a number, that's not good. I don't like that. Yeah, they better check the rest of the car. Why is it? Why does it have this much horsepower? And from what I can read, yeah. and what I read is, okay, look, there's different... Car I know everybody's probably asking. It's like, look, there are different carburetor options as well, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, for the engine that he had, that he got thrown out for, engine option number two, sealed 602, okay? Any four-barrel. Now, what they have for that four-barrel list is, I believe it's a 394 barrel you know, like the Tor used to run. So they got the 394 barrel Or the 500 cubic in or 500 CFM, I can't read two barrel just like a 4412 there's two different 390s you could run one's a hp and one's not so one's got a choke horn and one doesn't uh and you could probably adjust the bleeders on the other one but anyway um it says yeah it says you get a 20 if you run a two barrel you get a 25 pound weight reduction but it's like wait a minute if you're on the two barrel you get more airflow so you're probably going to go over either way so <laughs> what's the difference here i'm confused by the rules and I, you know, if he had the smaller CFM carburetor on it, so it's a four barrel. Yeah, so what? But, I mean, you have to take into consideration that this is rear wheel horsepower. This means that the whole 
everything going down the line through the transmission, through the rear end, through the brakes and everything, all the rotational weight on the on the powertrain is coming up with this number of 285. I also have another so variable. You here. have to check everything. I have another variable. What set that 285 horsepower number? Because here's the rear end rule, okay? Quick change rear yeah, ends no, no Quick change rear ends allowed. Okay? I believe you're also allowed a 9-inch. I can't tell, though. You can run OEM ring and pinions. Well, it says floaters allowed. Yeah, you could probably run a 9-inch. You could probably oh, run... Yeah. You can run a GM 7.5 because they're metric chassis. You could probably... You could run a quick change. What did they test that to get that horsepower number? What kind of rear end did they test? Yeah, did what you, kind of transmission did they test? Did you test the top of the line for that number? Or did you test, like, you know, some junkyard uh, 7 of 7.5 out of a friggin' S10 pickup. Okay, here's another variable. Automatic transmissions allowed. Standard transmissions allowed. Clutch, flywheel, etc., etc., drive shafts, inspect. Okay, whatever. I'm reading the rule book. What did they test to get that 285 horsepower? Did they test that with an automatic? Because you're going to lose a lot more with an automatic. So basically, what you're saying is you could run, you know, a standard transmission with a quick change rear. And all these nice parts, but guess what? You're only allowed 285 real-world horsepower. So guess what you're going to be running? You're going to be running like 28 degrees of timing in your motor and probably overheat the thing because it doesn't have enough timing. That happens. You know? Jesus. I mean, I'm not doing that. It's just, it, it's, it sounds to me, and you know, all um, views on this podcast are not related to the author Brenner Sid's view. Wait a minute. What if you what it sounds like laziness. What if I mean, you what do you gotta do? Run a throttle stop like drag racing? Yeah, it just sounds <laughs> it, it just sounds like a lazy way to get through tech quickly. Like why can't That's what it seems why can't to be. you just tech the engine? Yeah. You don't yeah. you don't wanna have them take things apart Ooh, and go through the time and check everybody. So it's a quick, easy way and cheaply to get rid of it. That's what it sounds like to me. It just sounds lazy. Sorry. I I don't like it. I, I'm sorry. I'm not bashing the truck series. I'm just saying this. I don't think it's right. I really think you guys got to reconsider this one. I mean, you guys might like it. Maybe nobody's really ever complained. But when you have this many options, again, this goes back to what I was talking about with transparency earlier. How did you get that number? Okay. Because we just have questions. We have questions. Now, my crate motor. Nothing wrong with questions. My, and I, I guarantee you they allow headers, too. Yeah, right. How the fuck are you going to get 285 rear-wheel horsepower with even a two-barrel and headers? Because I guarantee you I can take my car with my 9-inch and my standard transmission and my two-barrel with headers and beat that number. Guaranteed I would beat 285. Because you know why? Because with a four-barrel that was not tuned... Okay, this was a st this is a stock 654 barrel. Okay, I know it's a little bigger than a 390. Headers it's, are readily it's, available. It's a little it bit says. bigger than a 500. Okay, I get that, but I was running my engine through log manifolds. Okay, with an open rear, and with just whatever race tires were on it. So I had you know probably zero stagger or little stagger because we had an open rear and a nine inch or not a nine inch, but I had a seven and a half in the car. And I put down 296 horsepower with an untuned four-barrel on log manifolds. 
how the hell are they going to get 285 with a two barrel and headers, which actually does about the same? <laughs> or, you know, the 394 barrel with headers, which, let's be honest, a 390 you can play with and make it flow about 500 CFM. So without even like hogging the thing out or changing the base plate, you can do a lot with those. So I'm very confused. I'm, I, I'm, again, I'm sure my opinion to them is meaningless, even though I've been in racing for 20 years plus, 20 plus years. Um, done a lot, seen a lot, but I'm very confused by it. And I, again, I would love a clarification. I would love to know how they came to this number. Did they test it 10 years ago with an automatic truck with a seven and a half inch rear and a two barrel? I don't freaking know. Where did this come from? 285 with a crate motor and headers. Pretty sounds, damn small number. Sounds light to me. I'm thinking more 325, personally. Closer to that. Like I said, with yeah. a crappy four barrel and log manifolds, I put almost 300 down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and then I got my four barrel fixed, and it made 15 more numbers with log manifolds. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my two barrel is a badass, and I have headers on it. And let me tell you something. That makes more power than my four barrel with log man. It just feels I, I want to take it to the dyno right now. I guarantee you it puts down well over 310 at the wheels. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. So 285, that's a low number, and I don't know how the hell they're getting they're getting that to work, but I mean I'm sure, you know, making guys pay for dyno time after dyno time after dyno time at one place and having to tow hours upon hours to one place in the middle of frickin' Massachusetts. Is and scheduled dino time. Dino time is not cheap either. It sucks. Luckily, I got a guy down here that does it for pretty cheap. But you know, we're probably like at an hour already. <laughs> oh, mean, we're at fifty minutes, and it's time for beer break. Jesus Christ! All right, we're gonna have to hustle through this thing then. Anyway, yeah, as long as it takes, I don't care anymore. So, yeah, I'm very. Again, I'm not bashing. The truck series, I think they got a great thing going. I think that what they're doing is pretty awesome. I um, I will admit that I I have sinned against them before and called their trucks herpes because I didn't think that if you ever got one, you'd be able to get rid of it. But um, I don't I, I don't mind them. I like them. I like having trucks around. Trucks are cool. I like trucks. Um, but again, I just blank everybody. Can we please like a little clarification as to how we did this? A little transparency. I just, I'm, I'm confused. I would like to know how we got this. Again, I'm not saying we should change the rules because you're probably not going to because of our. And I'm not even a friend of Jason. He's an acquaintance. You know, he's Phil's I, buddy. I pro- he's Phil's buddy, but I barely know the guy. I don't, I don't even know if I've even. T- the only time I ever talked to this guy was he sent me a text after I won a race and he says, Hey, congrats, man. I won some money from you. I'm like, How'd you do that? He's like, I bet on you. I'm like, There you go. <laughs> I hope you won a lot. But uh, that was about it. But um, congratulations to Boyle for for the meantime because he's declared the winner and you know. Yeah, why didn't they check the top three at once? Well, his is for, yeah, I don't know. But uh, for clarification's yeah. sake, just to have a number, he was they should close. have taken the top three. Boyle yeah. was like basically was, the same as him down the straightaway. Yeah, he was he was running real <laughs> well. You know, he had a great truck, and you know, I'm happy for the guy. You know, he helped us out certainly, and him and Barrett had that thing. And the rest of the crew had that thing working pretty darn good. So congrats to Jim Boyle on his uh, unofficial win pending his dyno results, and we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. 
past series ran after that, or maybe before that. I don't even know if I did that in order or not. Um, um, I think you did. I might have done this in order because I was writing notes in the grandstands. Uh, Johnny Clark won, and he compared this win to his Oxford 250 win. He's, he was pretty emotional in victory lane. He thought it was the coolest damn thing. Um uh, hollow this, ground, you know. This that's is a guy who's Oxford two fifties hollowed ground. That's yeah, a great race. He's track. won the Oxford two fifty. That's a yeah. big damn deal. And for him to say this is a huge win, it's like it ranks up there with his two fifty win, that's cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh I didn't hear anything about him being thrown out, so good job, Johnny Clark. Uh ACT also got interesting. DJ Shaw crossed the finish line first, but was later DQ'd for an engine infraction, which I heard was a carburetor infraction. Handing the win over to Jimmy Hebert. And, uh, I mean, Shaw was super fast. <laughs> Just ridiculous fast. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I read somebody online saying, why does it matter? The place is huge. Why does horsepower matter? I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. There was, horsepower matters <laughs> on a track where if they didn't brace the body enough, right? The fender and the door and the windshield, or anything that wasn't braced down, would cave in upon itself and rip the whole side of the car off. It's like, are you a race fan? Do you understand that a straight <laughs> in a straight line, you need the most power to beat everyone else around you? <laughs> Duh. Power matters, especially on a one mile, <laughs> especially when a small when a short track car goes on a mile racetrack. Uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Power is literally the deciding factor. I love that factor. stuff. You know. Power is the deciding like, factor. Oh, you can make a car handle. You can't flat foot it all the way around the turn. Yeah, you can't because you gotta have. You kind of can. You, you kind of can, but <laughs> you you, you, can. in order to make a race car flat flat foot around the entire racetrack, you need to have uh, aerodynamics of a Formula One car and left side weight and numbers in like the eighties to ninety percent. That's huge that, scientifically. That's what you're going to need. Yeah. So anyway, so kudos to Jimmy Hebert. That's Good a job. Win. Yep, that was fun. Uh, mod open modified race. Um, everybody will talk about the fact that it was the first unrestricted race for a tour type modified at New Hampshire in 30 years, or it might be the first time. Might be the first time they ever had one. But um, I I liked it. Well, it was cool. Well, what did you think of? Uh, uh, listen to those cars going down the straightaway. They sounded for- amazing. But here's the thing. They were unrestricted, but they were still a second off the cup time. Harder compound tire, yeah. you know, who knows. They but, might uh, have been. But this is what I heard. <laughs> oh, let's get to it right there. There we go. So did He'll find this it. There it is. That's, you heard that in your ears when you were going, they were going so around the track. Mm. It was like Wendy Peppercorn getting into the lifeguard stand. Yes. <laughs> Sid likes my references. God bless Wendy Peppercorn. They have nine and, kids. And her nine kids. <laughs> Wendy Scalari. This is the most desperate action I'd ever seen him, anyone ever take in their life. Anyway, um, so Bobby Santos, Mr. New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Mr. At this New point. Hampshire. I mean, uh, it, they said there was like 28 lead changes in the last like 30 laps or something like that. It was crazy. They were swapping the lead all over the place. Yeah, just it was, slingshot, it was, slingshot, slingshot. It was hilarious. It was like Christopher to watch. would get him in one, and then Bobby Santos would come back in three and four, and the draft meant something there. Yeah, it was really. It was almost like they were kind of restricted, but they didn't have pack racing. They like were they bump do, drafting. You know? It was hilarious to watch. It was great, and they couldn't really. 
like tango draft either because uh christopher at one point tried to he tried to uh push uh bobby santos or or whoever the leader was it was bobby yeah and and try to break away from the draft by bump drafting him down the straightaway he just couldn't get enough for momentum down the straightaway to break from the track because uh, there was uh, like ronnie williams would come screaming up and, and just make the just just uh yeah chase dowling in the nine was also get up in there really strong was, up there uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those had, things. Like, five, five to eight cars in the main pack, and they would just bunch up. It was cool to watch them try to figure out this new way of how aerodynamics and uh, the unrestricted engines was working as they're going along. I think it was very. I think it would work. I think NASCAR should implement it. It was just a cool show. They and you know what? I give the spotters a lot of credit, even though Bobby Santos's spotter is Larry Barnett. I have to give him credit because they did it very safely. They were very intuitive. Nobody drove over top of each other. No. They were giving each other room. It was gr- it was just it was, fantastic to watch. There was only eleven cars, but you know what? Didn't really need more cars than it that. Did not reduce from the show because you were watching the front anyway. Yeah, you were watching the you were watching the show. Yeah, but um, there's a reason why only eleven cars showed up. I mean, they paid five grand to win that race. Yeah, I don't now, think a lot of guys were getting out of bed for less than five grand to win. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but I mean, in the Northeast, you've got people like Tri Track and other open modified shows that are running ten thousand dollars to win shows at much smaller tracks. Like, would you go race your open modified for ten thousand dollars to win at? Um, Manadnock, or let's say Seaconk. Seaconk, that's a good one. Or would you go race for five grand? Thompson. Or, yeah, okay. Or would you go race for five grand, half the money at New Hampshire, where if you touch the wall, your car is in a pretzel? Well, you do that anywhere, it's a pretzel. But, but that's fair. You know, it's it's the same thing, you know. That's fair. You're running but, more fuel. You're running more time. Well, whatever. But. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's why 11 cars showed up. And I don't mean to make them sound elitist, but they trip. have a big budget that they have to fill. So the guys with good money are going to go to that show. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So Bobby Santos won that race. Uh, street stock race. We had a few local folks show up. Uh, we had Corey Hutchins there. Uh, he, that thing had big motor. Uh, we had, <laughs> we showed up. My and, man, Corey, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, uh, let me tell you a Corey story because when I ran into him at the track and uh, he had been there before, obviously, and, and done really times, well. yeah. And he was, he, he came up and he told me, um, um, I'm just very glad that he was so like, he put on the kid gloves for my ego. Um, <laughs> he was very <laughs> forthcoming. Yeah. He goes, I don't want to tell you how to drive. You know, thank you for Sparing my feelings. Thank you for sparing us. <laughs> but no, but he's a gentleman, and, and I love Corey to death. No, we need the advice um, because I'm like, no, there. listen, Corey, thank you. Tell me anything you need to tell me. I really appreciate because I've never been up there before. Yeah, we don't know what the he hell he says. Doing. If you're, you could look at the numbers down the straightaway at the end of the straightaway. It says three, four, three, two, one. If you're breaking at the two, you're hauling the mail. You're really sending it in there. You break at the one, you may not come back. <laughs> <laughs> So where were you breaking at, Jess? Uh, about uh, at the end of the practice, about one and a half. <laughs> oh, you didn't have anywhere near the motor that he had. So, but I well, mean, I, I had a good motor. It, it wasn't bad. It's just we have compression. But if we you're don't loose have off, camp. you're dead. If you're loose off on a big track, you're dead. You know that from Thompson. Yeah, we were a little loose. But um, yeah, I took I was a real... a, it was just a hair loose, and I couldn't quite get to the power early enough and make it run. But I... it was about one and a half, you know. And I really appreciate. 
you know, him telling me a little bit of trick about doing that. So I didn't ball my car up or anybody else's. Yeah, I took a real oh, swing. Real nice. I took a real big swing at the setup, and we got pretty close first shot. It wasn't was, bad. It, the car was loose. We just throw um, a bit of wedge to it. We would have been fine. But. I could. It may have been tires. It may have been wedge issue. Uh, you know, I just put the old practice tires on there for you know for first practice. Right. You know, I could get that thing sideways all the way around three and four. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. Now, we had Corey Hutchins there. We had Aaron Plemons showed up. Uh, we were there, obviously, like I said. We didn't race, but mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Waterman showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Oh, Kevin Mason, Kevin Mason was there. Um, again, I feel like I'm missing. Oh, Kyle Giro. Yep, sorry, Kyle. Have he another beer. I know. I no. need, I'm only on like three quarters through yeah, this one. Mr. Giro was there. Beautiful white car. Sorry, my mind is all fried from two yeah. weeks of straight working. Um, but th- yeah, these guys all showed up. Um, I think Waterman won his heat. Uh, I forget where everybody else finished in their heats, but I know Corey finished pretty well. Um, he started towards the front. Uh, he got turned around on lap one, uh, mm-hmm. which was very unfortunate. Fortunately, he didn't get hit. Uh, so he got turned around and started right back up at the rear. Uh, later on in the race, Waterman made contact with a white car. I can't remember the guy's name. It was a, like a Camaro-looking car, and they... Got turned around and Waterman went Surprise, in the wall. Surprise, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, he went into the turn two wall very hard, Waterman did, and that was a big hit. Uh, I've seen some videos on the internet that looked like it was very painful. Um, you know, every, I gotta say this, I'm sorry, but every single race, it's either that car is, it's either you're gonna have somebody pissed off at you because of uh you know the car is you put somebody's car on double hooks and or his car gets on double hooks every single race there's always some kind of wreck involved in that car after a while don't you gonna get sick of it man i mean the guy at that point of the race he's running fourth and nobody was catching renfro that thing was jesus on, christ that car was a freaking nobody was run. gonna catch him and you're fighting for four spot that's your hill to die on Renfrew really, had a Renfrew had a full really? freaking straightaway lead at the end of this thing. Like really, nigga. Like holy shit, that car was fast. I mean, really, nigga. Fourth place. That's your hill to die on. Every single race. Every single every single race. I, I we should put up a counter. It's like how many races he's gone without somebody being wrecked or his car being wrecked or I very mean, angry. Don't I you mean, get sick was, of it, man? I I don't. I mean, G Roy. Uh, you know. You guys and uh, uh, Chamberlain, you guys are good, reasonable people, man. Don't you get sick of it, man? Come on. Anyway, so, anyway, um, I think Giro turned around once in practice when it was raining, but he, he again, it was just shit track conditions, and luckily nobody yeah. got into him. And he had a good run. Um, Kevin made it all the way through. That was a good run. Corey, though, Corey was the show. I mean, Corey, my hero. Corey was the show. Damn. He barely, That's if any, stuff, he barely man. ever made contact with anybody and just mowed through the field. I think he came home fourth. Yeah, something like that. But the he thing had to start last. Running. I mean, he benefited from a few cautions. I mean, there were some cleanups that had to happen. Um, 
again, Kevin made it through. Kyle made it through. I think Brandon, oh no, Aaron, I'm sorry. They run the same number. It confuses me. Aaron had a few problems. I think he went down pit road a few yeah, times. He had some I, car troubles. But, he had yeah. some issues. Uh, you know, that's to be expected. Like we had car you issues. Know, things happen. I mean, but yeah, happens. he ran good though. He was running. But he ran, decent. yeah, he was ran fine. I think he yeah. eventually made it to the end of it. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Renfrew absolutely just destroyed the field like normal. Uh, and he got wrecked pretty hard in the ACT race. Uh, there weren't many wrecks all weekend. No, thankfully that was, thankfully there weren't many wrecks. I mean, Jimmy Renfrew got turned head on in the backstretch wall in the ACT car. Luckily everybody missed him. Uh, there was the Waterman wreck in turn two. Uh, there might have been a mini stock tour wreck. I don't really remember because we were walking into the grandstands when it happened, and they just went red right when, right when we walked up to the track. So we must have missed it. Uh, there was an engine explosion in the uh, street stock race, but other than that, um, I, a lot of cars losing body panels because of the wind. But uh, <laughs> yeah. other than that, no, it was a pretty good weekend. I enjoyed the show. Ours all stayed on. I'm shocked. We, <laughs> we actually did a fair amount of prep. Our body didn't do anything. We nope. put a lot of bracing in it. Nothing happened. Put it a rear window amazing. on that thing. Never yeah. blew out. Not even once. Yeah, it was pretty fantastic. All right, so moving on from New Hampshire. I'll just kind of skim through all the stuff we didn't get to watch because we were in New Hampshire. Apparently, John Hunter Nemechek won the truck race at Richmond that I missed because we were busy busting knuckles and getting rained on at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, and then Alex Bowman went on and won the cup race at Richmond after recovering from a pit road penalty and Denny Hamlin dominating the event. He took the lead on a late race restart. We managed to watch that from recording while we were literally sweeping yeah, up they the, made the right change. Uh, they made the right change because that car was an eighth-place car the whole race, and it just needed to be right at the right time. That's so cliche, but it, it just you only need one lap. You, know, you only give it 110%. Oh, put so, one pant leg on at a time. Obviously, you could tell we're a short track podcast. We're we're spending our times at the short tracks and not talking about <laughs> we're not talking about NASCAR right now. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, Jimmy good job Johnson by... ran uh, IndyCar race and oh uh, Barber didn't he? Skip Barber. There was uh, no, not at Skip Barber. It's Barber Motorsports Park. Well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Barber There's Al- been some owner changes and whatnot. I don't know what the hell's so, going on. The um, I didn't catch that either. I he didn't, spun out yeah. once on the fastest part, and uh, but he other than that, he kept the car. You know, well, that's how you learn. You know, he kept the car in one piece. That was better than the lap one wreck where a lot of our other cars were in many pieces. That's true. And they were, yeah, there was quite a big wreck. There's a four minute video on YouTube that I caught up on, and it was it told the whole story. There you go. Go check that some bitch out. Yep. That's so it. so anyway, but watch your profanity. Watch your profanity. Oh dear. So as we wind this thing down, uh, did you hear the NASCAR Roots Twitter saga about Stafford? Uh, apparently, they accidentally claimed Stafford was still a NASCAR Weekly Series sanctioned track, and then they retracted the tweet, and uh, it prompted a lot of ribbing from followers to the tune of, and I'll put this in air quotes. NASCAR pays so little attention to their roots that they don't even know when one of their longest tenured and most famous sanctioning partners even leaves, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny and a very interesting viewpoint. To I see. mean, <laughs> like, really? Very serious. <laughs> Come on, Open guys. Open palm, insert face. There you go. That sounds like it hurts. It's fine, but got to do something. So I also heard that the Waterford Speed Bowl was going to hold its uh, 2020 awards banquet, and I put Shut that. Up, I, put, I put that in air quotes as well. 
in front of the fans during the opening weekend, uh, May 8th, or the opening race weekend, I should say, during May 8th. The top five in points plus the rookie of the year will be celebrated, and it's going to be on the front stretch in front of all the fans. Kind of an interesting concept, especially because they got all the COVID regulations and they don't want to do everything. So they put them all in front of the fans, and that's a pretty interesting concept. I think that'll work out pretty well for them. I uh, hope it doesn't go too long because they have seven damn divisions to get through. Mm. Uh, also, uh, if y'all haven't watched, uh, they released more Enlero on the Road videos for uh, from Vault Productions, by the way. If you want to go check that out, go to uh, YouTube.com. Two-parter. Yeah, it's a two-parter. two-parter from it's the very world, good. From the icebreaker at Thompson. Two-day uh, show. Yeah, two-parter. YouTube.com go figure. slash Sid's View. We go check that out. Um, so, uh, yeah, apparently we were featured in one of the videos, not featured. You weren't featured. I was well, not well, you, we weren't featured. We were just in it a little bit. I mean, um, anyway, I think she got, she got irritated that I didn't put the bumper to Corey Fanning, I think. Uh, but I'm not her dad, so I won't, (laughs) 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 I can't, I was on the scooter. Yeah. Jesse around. was on Scooty. I had to go. I was trying to go, you know, see, I was see what speed. the top speed was because I have a GPS on my phone that. Yeah, we were checking the speed. Let's check the speed. I ended up getting up to 20 miles an hour, which is pretty badass. You know, electronically limited due to power. But I think that we both agree in the fact that it's like, well, we're all on this big team together here. And yes, we uh, we're, we're, we're on the Vault Productions. The uh, Vault Productions family. And, yes, the family. It's the family. But. Yeah. She didn't come walk out to the back pits and visit us. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? You were on our podcast twice. Was was our trailer stink? You don't like our trailer? It stinks. That's right, it stinks! I have no baby for you. Don't fall around me! <laughs> You'll try. What about my pride, Nick? At least you have pride! <laughs> I love that bit. I'm so glad the boss is watching, but he can't hear us. Guy comes up, offers me a fight. Big dude, want to fight the fight? Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. I wouldn't want to fight that big fight. It was going to happen to me. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. And you want to be ringside and see? Do you? You want to help me out? I think we do stink. Those dudes. Wouldn't come visit us. Think you stink? Yeah, I'll fight him. My face kicked in. You come around here. You want to move in here with me? Come on in. Come on in. Nice house. <laughs> nice trailer. Real nice. Come on in. We got a nice trailer. We got stinks. cheeseburgers. It stinks. It stinks. Both place stinks. It stinks like ass and burnt out. cheeseburgers. Oh, it freaking stinks. <laughs> He's still going. Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, it's it's a long walk. I don't blame her for not visiting. We just wanted no, to ask her ass for God it. God Almighty, that's a long walk. Just Go, wanted to. We got our ass stuck around the mountain. I mean, Christ! No I wonder know. they didn't come visit. No freaking way. Yeah, it's a long walk anywhere in Thompson. Forget that noise. <laughs> so anyway, okay. So as we wrap this thing up, I gotta ask you. What is, you want to talk about the latest Formula One race that happened this weekend? Oh, it was at oh. Mon. No, I think it was at Don't Imola. Do this to me to because Ooh. I'm losing the will. No, it was at Imola. Oh, he's gone. And he's gone. What? Oh. With his last remaining strength, he has handed me his uh, social media channels. So you can find this show on every major podcast platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Sid's View. 
If you want to send us an email, you can send that to makinglapspodcast at gmail.com. You want to see, if you can check me out, you can check me out at uh, Twitter and Instagram at BrentGleason01. Uh, you can find Phil, who is still kind of dealing with family issues, at P Jakes P J A C Q U E S Racing at, on all major um, social media platforms. And Jesse, with his last remaining breath, because he died of boredom talking about Formula One, handed me his social media channels. Uh, My at, legacy. Oh, okay. At gab.com slash old El Paso. And at twat, it's Twitter, isn't it? Twatter? No, they don't make that. <laughs> Uh, at a great big has oh great. I think there's some kind of link to this. Because... Oh, I get it. This is a callback. Ah, I get it. Talking about tires. Okay, anyway. So until next week, keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. Thank you for listening. My com- my freaking <laughs> my camera's going to break one day I swear to god